Waveform Magazine is a free print publication that focuses on synthesizers and those who inhabit that world. Issue number one is due out in April 2019 and features interviews with Suzanne Ciani, Dave Smith, Folk Tech, with articles written by Div Kid, Abe from AI Synthesis, and more. There are also plenty of gear reviews, music reviews, and a shop talk section where we get to know about those who run our beloved synth shops. Sign up for your free subscription at www.waveformmagazine.com and follow them on Instagram. Pod Mod Bods, episode 45. Make, making our way to that 50. It's pretty crazy. Um, when I started this show, I was thinking, you know, I don't know how enthusiastic I will be about it, you know, throughout the time. I don't know if I'll be able to keep it up because I'd never done this before. And so I kind of told myself, I want to at least make it to 50. And if I make it to 50 and then I stop, I will feel, um, I'll feel okay about that. But I haven't lost any enthusiasm about it. Um, you guys are helping me stay enthusiastic about it by all your positive feedback. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think we're just getting started. I've got some plans for some new stuff, some new features to add to the show. Um, and more on that and not too long, hopefully. Um, I'm recording this intro pretty early to the release of this, so I won't have any of the community connections things cause I, added them to last week but i will remind you if you are listening and you have an event and you want uh, me to spread the word or if you're in a you know in a city and you don't know anybody in that city uh and you want to find other modular enthusiasts hit me up and i'll try to make those connections uh over the pod waves um also I just want to mention really quick that this track that you hear below us is from our friend Hank Yates, a.k.a. Mousy Magazine, who just released a new EP. I mentioned it last week. I wanted to mention it again because it's so good. So go to uh, mousymagazinebandcamp.com to check it out. I want to thank everybody who's uh, helping out with the Patreon. That's been really, really cool. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I've been talking about shirts and stickers for a long time. Um, I, I, I still plan on it. I'm still, I still want to do that. I might have to do that with the old tax return, which reminds me I should probably do that. Have you done your taxes yet? This is your reminder. Do your taxes. Um, so yeah, hopefully keep an eye out for that. But I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Patreon. You know, I'm going to be honest, it's a little hard to talk about. It feels like I am uh, virtually panhandling, which in a sense, I guess I am. But, uh, you know, I have a 40-hour week job and I do this in my free time and it does take up a lot of my time. This is not a complaint. It's a labor of love. I absolutely love doing it. But uh, I definitely want to travel more and just uh, maybe get some higher end uh, microphones and, you know, just just find ways to make the show more professional and... uh, yeah, just, just make, make it better and anything helps. So if you want to get on Patreon and just do a dollar, cool, man, that would be, that would be super cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about it because, uh, it's, uh, I feel weird, but thank you guys for supporting me. I want to take a moment also to talk about Patchworks, our lovely, lovely, uh, local synth shop here in Seattle. Um, they have an excellent online store and, uh, they have a awesome used stuff coming in all the time and they'll ship that and they've got 
they've got you know so many cool manufacturers in the shop and they're just getting more and more and they've got a lot of really cool community outreach there's some education stuff they do they host uh, demos and sometimes live shows and they have a a monthly soldering night where you can go in and, and help or have somebody help you uh figure out what's wrong with your stuff or build your kit or just hone in your soldering skills but i mainly want to focus on all of you pod mod bots who aren't in seattle if you uh if you live in a town that doesn't have a synth shop you know you could go to sweetwater or reverb but those are huge companies they don't need your help but patchworks is a cool brick and mortar it's like a community center um it's a staple of our community here in seattle um it's it's just through patchworks i've met so many great people and have become you know really good friends with a lot of them and we play shows together and yeah it's just a really cool thing so if you want to support them go to patchworks p-a-t-c-e-h p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com and order some stuff and if you get something let me know what you got i want to see what you are getting from my favorite place in the world and we're going to get into a demo and then into our, our talk here pretty soon with uh, Eric Needham of Needham Woodworks. But first, um, I just want to share that I think I'm done with my first real modular album. I've released some stuff that were just kind of like little patches, but this thing is, I feel like a, an actual album. And I'm hopefully going to be releasing that soon, but um, I'm having that mastered by Nathan Moody uh, at Obsidian Sounds. So I'm just really excited to share that with you. And um, if you guys have a, uh, a project that you need mastered, or if you want some mix notes or even mixing done on your album, go over to obsidiansound.net and uh, get a hold of Nathan. He's, he's the guy. He's the, he's the dude of, of, this, uh, of this industry right now as far as uh, the, the electronic, experimental, ambient world goes. Um, a lot of our past guests have had their stuff mastered by him, and it's just really, really high quality. Um, yeah, it's a dark art, and and uh, Nathan is a high wizard. Is that is that a thing, a high wizard? Anyways, mention that you heard about him on the show, and you can get a discount. All right, let's take a look at the Atom from After Later Audio. It is a Elements clone, and it's about half the size, and it's pretty pretty slick. And then um, we're also going to look at the Pittsburgh Modular Microvolt 3900, but we're just going to be using um, its modulation sources and its filter. We're not going to use any of its voices. Uh, the voice will be the Atom. So let's plug a gate and a sequence into this thing and get it going. Um, there will be no... Uh, the Microvolt will not be having any effect on this right now so first up let's take the random gate output from the microvolt and let's put that into the uh, the timbre for the bow input so you can hear a little bit of a change there and then there's the blow input so i'm going to take the the lfo pulse from the microvolt and put it into the timbre of the blow so let's do that. and then there's the strike input and i'm going to uh take the uh, LFO ramp from the microvolt and put it into the timbre input for that. So there we go. We have a little bit more character. Now this is where it's going to get a little bit more fun. Um, 
Let's mess with the damp. I've got, uh, let's see, put the function generator output from the microvolt into that, and then we'll put it on cycle, and we'll do a nice kind of slow cycle. So let's bring that up into the mix. And then I've got the uh, random CV output, and I'm going to put that into the position CV input of the atom. And then uh, there's the space, uh, which is kind of like a, it's a reverb, actually, that's built into the atom, which is pretty cool. And I'm going to take the envelope from the microvolt, which I'm triggering from the shuffling clock multiplier by 4ms. Um, so the envelope out from the uh, microvolt into the space CVM. So there you go. That is uh, all the modulation sources from the microvolt being used to shape the sound from the atom. Now just for fun, the atom has got a left and right output. So let's uh, let's put one of those through the filter from um, from the microvolt, and then we'll trigger the uh, the frequency from that from with a mass. Also, uh, just for fun, we'll take the right output and bring that into the AI synthesis stomp box adapter and run that into the recovery effects phantom operator, which is like a, a modulation filter pedal, which is pretty funky. Uh, the phantom operator has a self-modulation mode or self-oscillating mode, so let's click that on. And then you can mess with the speed from that. So yeah, a nice fun little patch for you, and uh... Go check out pittsburghmodular.com, afterlateraudio.com, aisynthesis.com, and recoveryeffects.com to learn more about all these great devices that I just showed you. Thanks for joining me. Um, I've been really excited to talk to you because I feel like you're going to be a pretty, uh, pretty unique guest as far as... Uh, who I've had in the, on the show in the past. So yeah, I'm honored. I mean, I'm looking at the past guests and definitely, uh, uh, adding something different, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, wow, these are all about an hour and a half long. <laughs> like how, how much woodworking <laughs> can we possibly talk about? <laughs> I usually do like a 15 minute intro and, um, but yeah, I mean, so, you'll be surprised. It'll be over before you know it. It, it. it even goes fast for me. And, and from my experience, most people are, Oh wow, that's it. That's yeah. So it's and I've got some questions written down, which I usually don't do, but I uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to be prepared for this. Um, and I saw that Instagram TV like episode or whatever those are called. That's kind of mm -hmm. a new thing um, that was uh, made on your shop today. That was super cool. How did that come about? Well, um, 
the the people who shot that actually make a really interesting tool. Um, it's two guys from MIT who um, actually live in the mission, not too far from where I live. I, I didn't know about that until more recently. It's a um, I don't know if you know what a CNC machine is, but it's basically a robot that you know cuts out parts from from mm-hmm. wood, you know, based on some you know some uh, file that you give it with a shape. So it follows that shape and instructions about how deep and you know. Um, uh, you know how wide and inside or outside of the cut that you that you want to do, and these guys developed this router, um, which in a router is a you know mm-hmm. it's a spinning bit that you put down in wood and it cuts out shapes, that has a um, a screen on top of it, and you can import your your um, uh, your design files, so your shapes and whatnot, and you put this really funny looking tape that looks like dominoes that um, you know. Uh, do not have a repeating pattern. They're just kind of random. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a camera in front of the machine that that um, analyzes that and it, it, it learns your workspace. So if you have a big piece of plywood, you put that tape down everywhere. You run the machine back and forth over it and all of a sudden it goes, okay, I know this is your space. And then you can virtually place your design file on top of that space. And then it drills down and says, okay, you start here. And you, um, you just got to get the, you, you just got to follow the path. You just have to be in the ballpark and the bit automatically adjusts, you know, it, it's rapidly moving to keep it right on the, uh, right on the path. So you push it around with your hands, you follow the path of your, of your shape and it's continuously adjusting to make sure that it's right on as long as you're within, you know, like half an inch to an inch to the, to the actual, um, the path. It's incredible. So okay. it's not very useful for large things because it is very slow and, you know, you usually have to make multiple passes, especially on thicker material. You can only take about an eighth to a quarter inch at a time, but on small things like jigs and, um, things of that nature, it's absolutely incredible. Um, especially okay. for, you know, the type of work I do, um, you know, it's a lot of customization. Everything is custom. So if I have a, you know, I kind of have a, a general design file and I can make little adjustments with that. I can knock out a jig and I can make, you know, like the openings for the power plates on the back of my cases and whatnot. Um, okay. it just really speeds things along. Okay. Well that's, yes. Yeah, it seemed like on the, uh, the video that I saw, you were saying that it's, uh, it's like exponentially cut down the time of some of the, the tasks that you need to do. Yeah, and and those are the tasks that I don't enjoy doing. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> I, I I would love it to be able to go in and do you know cut dovetails and uh, all that stuff for me, but that's you know I, I think that's far in the future. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, um, I feel like well, I want I want to take a few steps back really quick and sure. um, I mean. I, I, I will have set this up in the intro. Um, so you're, you're a woodworker and you focus on modular cases. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious what came first music or woodworking and when oh, did music. those, yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely music. I mean, I, I think, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and, you know, he, he did a lot of cabinet making. He, he, you know, he, he was an amazing woodworker and I learned a lot from him, but that wasn't, you know, as a kid and it was just like seeing him in the shop and building, you know, uh, um, like soapbox cars and stuff like that with him when I was little. But, you know, I've been a musician since I was a kid, saxophone and, um, later bass. And, you know, it, my entire life was, was focused on, um, being a bass player, you know, <laughs> all the way up okay. through college and, fa- and failing out of school plenty of times <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> staying at those gigs too late and wasn't able to make the, uh, make morning classes. But, um, yeah. And Are some you... people were like, oh, you know, it took you that long to, to finish school. I think in some countries they call you a doctor, you know, it took so long to get through it. Hey, 
Hey man, I'm right there with you. I, was, I went to school for seven years, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not, you're I'm a, doctor not a doctor. Too, I guess. <laughs> Actually, if you count my apprenticeship that I went for for my job, I went for ten years, and I am yep. definitely not a doctor. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are you from the Bay Area originally? You grew up there? Or? Uh, no, I, I moved here twenty years ago. Okay, um, about twenty years ago. Um, I'm from East Coast, so Massachusetts. Lived in Brazil for a little bit, and then uh, Pennsylvania. Um, and then I did an East Coast college tour, <laughs> failing out of a variety of schools and, uh, um, ended back in, in, in Massachusetts. And then I came out, um, during the original.com actually. So, so some time ago. Okay. Okay, cool. So, so you're, you, you have like the seed of, of woodworking planted in you from, you know, hanging with your grandpa and your musicians, you're playing bass. Um, now does the synthesizer when do synthesizers come in and then i'm kind of i'm i want to set that trajectory i want to hear that how did this all fall into place where you end up making like these amazing the, you make pieces of furniture that are also you know they're be these beautiful pieces of furniture that are also yeah, thank you. the euro rat cases which is pretty unique so yeah well, um i'll get into um, hopefully where that's going to evolve to but i think mm-hmm. um you know, being a bass player, I was also a recording nerd. Like, I really, really loved recording myself and bands, you know, starting out with a little, you know, the Tascam, you know, four-track port of recorders, uh-huh. yeah. which at the time, you know, they had these sizzly kind of crappy preamps and and the uh-huh. tape compression, which wasn't so uh, desirable. Now it's like making this comeback. Everybody wants that sound. Yeah, like that tobacco, <laughs> uh, Black Moth, Super Rainbow, like squashed yeah, I like that stuff. <laughs> no, it's super cool. Yeah. But um, it was fun. And, and I was building pedals, like, you know, I was getting pedal kits and, um, you know, making, you know, making my own printed circuit boards at home and whatnot. I got into that. And then um, I think were you doing like the was, ac- Sorry, were you doing like the acid etching stuff? Yeah. Acid. Oh, and then okay. a, a little later, I had this kind of um, vacuum press that had the had the light inside of it. Um, so I could do my etching off of that. But it was still it still went into acid. OK, um, it. But um, and then had a little Dremel tool, and you get all that toxic dust all over you, and burns your hands and your <laughs> eyes and whatnot. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed you there, but that's just uh, that's always fascinated me. Like, because I've done the d- the kits and stuff, but I don't go. I've, there, you know, there's always one step further. That's like I'm not going to do that. You know, so for me, it's like SMD and making my own circuit boards. Like, I'll I'll make a kit. But, you know, some people look at me and they're like, why would you do that? So I feel like I'm like step two. You, you, you went all the way, all the way in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the SMDs are after my time for sure. Everything was through hole. Like yeah. I, uh, this SMDs are a different universe. I don't have the, you know, the, the, uh, the iron for that or anything. Yeah. It's a different unit. It's weird. Um, but, um, you're asking about, about Sorry, synths. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so a, a lot of bass playing later. And then I started getting into, you know, um, weirder stuff, more experimental things. Um, and, um, I was mangling my sound through pedals and effects and I, I, I don't know what it's called. I, I, I should have thought this out before, um, I came on it, but I think it was called like frack rack. It was like a different format. Yeah. 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 Frack and you, mm-hmm. you, you bought those kits and like, you know, I made my, <laughs> those got a little more complicated. I had less success <laughs> making those, <laughs> um, but I got through and uh, my whole point of that, it wasn't so much to make, you know, I didn't, it wasn't really about getting oscillators and, you know, and generating sound it was more mangling the, okay, um, the sound sounds that I produced myself. Side. Yeah. The processing okay. side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then back into recording and then other folks were bringing stuff in and I was exposed to Adobe for, and, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it right, but it was just this incredible little, you know, um, 
box that all looked the same. It was this, uh-huh. you know, per- perfect little kit. And he kind of, I, I started doing mangling through that and that was just a complete blast. So I, I used my looper, was able to put it back through, put it back into my doll and um, do a lot of recording, a lot of fun stuff with that. That was a blast. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's, I, I'm a, a very similar, well, not super similar, but definitely got to modular via guitar pedals. And it seems like it's pretty common that you'll, you'll find people are like, I was playing the pedals more than I was playing the guitar. And then <laughs> it just a natural jump into, um, into doing modular stuff. So, so, okay. So you got, so eventually you get into Eurorack and then is that when you, where, where's the woodworking coming into yeah, like, where is that sure. in, in this kind of timeline? Have you started doing anything with that yet? Um, it was uh, building mostly uh, building mostly furniture at that time, and um, you know chairs, tables, um, um, a lot of designs for different types of furniture. And um, I wanted to put together. You know, Core came out with the Volca stuff, which was really cool. And you know, I have a three year old daughter, mm-hmm. and I put together a little rig, and I got a little Korg, like as an MS twenty twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. a little yeah the little mini version of it. Mm-hmm. And I put together this like really cool rack with everything was, you know, um, uh, integrated. It was really easy to use. It was all in one place. And she'd always come over and, you know, turn everything on and, and get things going. And I can't remember which form, but I posted some pictures of it and people were like, Holy shit. <laughs> Cause yeah. it was kind of on this, um, like Japanese influenced, you know, um, uh, floating table with this really neat tray and it was all kind of coming up and, you know, folks started asking me about it. And then I built, um, out of necessity, just for myself, I built my own Eurac case, and I posted that too. And then people were saying, "Hey, can you build me one?" And was that the one with where you had like the the Minotaur faceplate in it and like the the Volca kick in it, or is that? Yeah, that no, that's exactly right. And okay. then I got excited because all <laughs> so I started poaching my daughter's Volca Volcas from her. From her <laughs> Once I realized I could Eurorack them, so uh, that that became a blast. <laughs> it's funny that the Volcas, like, yeah, they're they're. I was just uh, hanging out with my whole family at a cabin last weekend, and my little nephew was just jamming on my Volca kick. And it's funny that, like, a three-year-old can have fun with it, but then you could also, like, you know, record it. You know, you could use it on an album or play it live. Like it's, no, they're, are, inc- they're incredible. Yeah, they're incredible. Right? Yeah. yeah, but pe- people, uh, people looked, at, uh, looked down at them, but I, I think they're great. And they, yeah. they came out with a couple of new ones. There was one that looks uh, modular, and there was one that was like a, a drum processor or something. I'm not... yeah, yeah, I don't know much about the, the drum, which I'm, I'm pretty curious because I have the Volca Beats and the Kick, so yep. I might have to finish that trifecta. But, um, yeah, the Volca <laughs> Modular looks pretty funky. Um, it's it's got these little tiny patch cords and where you plug them in they're 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 like a they're like a sewing needle size like or smaller they're like little tiny wired it's it's pretty funky um but we're not here to talk about volkas um so <laughs> so people started ask did is that how so people saw these thought they're really cool and then is that when people started kind of asking if they could put orders in or yeah i mean um and they were small. I mean, these were, you know, mm-hmm. a 9U teeny. And um, and actually, I, I think that the first ones were really designed around the Volca and then the, uh, the, the, the Moog, like Mother 32 uh-huh. format. So they were that. I mean, they were very narrow. And um, that started to pick up. And then I started, you know, and, and, and those two were dovetailed. I put a lot of care and time into those. And then it just kind of started to evolve as my own rig started to evolve. Um, as I started buying more and more 
pieces. I was like, well, you know, this would be cool for myself. And then, you know, once again, people saw it, they wanted it. And then before uh -huh. I knew it, the orders were coming in <laughs> faster than my furniture orders. <laughs> so I, it's like, well, I think this is pretty cool. And, you know, I, I kept the, I kept the, um, the craftsmanship the same. So what I would end up doing is, you know, taking five orders, six orders and kind of batching them together and then doing kind of a series, making them all very similar with some sort of, you know, unique design concept or um, some technical challenge for myself. Um, and then each batch would be different. So, you know, obviously they're not they have a you know a recurring theme. They have to be you know they have to hold your modules and there's a basic <laughs> shape. But how it does that, how they're put together, and all the details um, uh, uh, on the case itself, or I, I try to make them different with each batch, and then give myself a technical challenge. That you know what's cool is like oh I want to do this like uh, a miter dovetail in the upper you know in the upper front corners. Um, I don't do it once. I do it. 10 times because I have that many and then, you know, I, I have that perfected and I can move that as a feature to the next one and then introduce a new um, technical challenge or a design feature for it. Okay. So you're keeping it interesting for yourself. That's, I like oh, that. Yeah. Keeping it creative, yeah. creatively open. Um, so you've said it a number of times and for us non-woodworkers, just real quick, what is, what is a dovetail? Uh, it, it's, it, I think people romanticize it a little bit, but it's, it's a joint, it, it, it's a joint. So uh -huh. there's a, there's a part that looks like a tail and there's another part that looks like a pin and the pin goes between, um, in the space where the two tails are, are together. Um, okay. I think because, um, handwork like, um, handmade furniture is kind of a dying art. Um, that stuff can be doing, uh, done with a router and, you know, or a table saw and, and all these jigs that can be done by machine. But the thing is the machines, um, the bits on the machines are, are relatively wide. So I purposely cut them very, very narrow and um, change the angles, make them, you know, different. So you're like, wow, this guy made it by hand just to, you know, just to make that distinction. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But machines can make this, it, it's a, it's a, a type of joint back in the, in the, in the golden era of woodworking, you know, that an apprentice would do hundreds of those a day. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that uh, magical, but, but now it kind of is. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so, so I was going to ask, and it sounded like you answered it. You, you do, you were doing, um, professional woodwork before this, like mm -hmm. furniture and stuff and custom stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I okay. Mean, not at the, the, not at the capacity that I'm, I'm doing now. Like I had a, um, a modest shop, um, and, once the, the orders for the cabinet started coming in, I mean, this is cabinetry. I mean, I'm making mm -hmm. large yeah. pieces of furniture. This isn't, you know, um, <laughs> and, and so my, my shop space, I got a larger shop space and I'm in this amazing co-op in San Francisco. That's, um, the oldest dedicated, um, woodworking space. Um, it's been here since the forties and it's, it, it's amazing. So we share these giant machines. We each have our bench space. So after a few months, my, I'm now building 21, 24 U cases that are, you know, five, six feet wide. So I, had to take an, so I, I now have to take the space next to it and it's very possible it'll take a third, um, it, you know, if, uh, if the orders keep coming in at the, at the velocity that you're doing now, I just need the space for assembly. I mean, okay. they're just so big. So, so, so prior to this, prior to the, the modular cases, um, you were doing it professionally. Was it like your, was it your day job? Um, no, that was a blend. So, um, okay. at, at that point, it, you know, it was definitely a significant source of income at, at, at a certain point, but, you know, um, 
I am a software engineer too, so I would be you know, moonlighting as I, I was coding at night and and building during the day, and now okay. I'm just building. So, <laughs> so so because of the resurgence of the you know popularity of modular synthesis and mm-hmm. that 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 kind of made you a full time professional woodworker. Um, it, it, the, the yes, um, that just because insane. of the volume. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that and um, and not only that, but but someone doing uh, original, you know, uh, uh, you know, old school hand craft work, which is completely dying with such a modern um, uh, technological thing. I I I think it's pretty cool. Well, so that's it's funny. It it is a weird dichotomy in that way, in that it's uh, you know it is a modern technology, and the, and woodworking is a little bit more old fashioned. However, there is there is definitely the same spirit of. Um, just like the 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 art, artisanal that's maybe not the right word but kind of just like the uh you know uh, the like an enthusiast and appreciator of fine things and i feel like there there's a i'm so poorly wording this i'm really trying to i felt like i had a really good point here um <laughs> it's it's there's it's it's a it's a, a a personality thing i think that would draw you to both um and what i can it just makes a lot of sense that these crazy you know machines that make sci-fi noises the people that are into those want these beautiful wooden hand, you know handmade wooden cases to to hold them um I, I, I mean, everybody I, gets I also what I'm think saying. with uh, <laughs> with the module manufacturers. I mean, I, I, it, there's like a boutique. There's folks doing really innovative, boutique. interesting stuff. I mean, I'm thinking That's of folk tech, uh, folk tech up in uh-huh. Oregon. Yeah. They're just these beautiful modules. I mean, everything they do is like they put so much time and care into the aesthetic and the mm-hmm. and, and what they're doing. Um, and I, I think this uh, what I'm building um, complements that pretty well. That style, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I could see like. Uh, yeah, like one of their sound gardens. Oh, and yeah. Something that you I like actually sure. own one. I took it apart, and I have a. I, I built a cabinet for one. I really, really love those those uh, instruments. Yeah, I, I have yet to get anything, but I've been eyeing. I think it's the Alter. Oh yeah, it's, it's that. It's kind of like their delay reverb or something like that. It's it. Yeah, I I really want one of those, and I want to talk to. I want to talk to them. I need to I need to get that going. I think we've talked about talking, but. I work 40 hours a week and I message people and then they message back whenever they do. And I'm just really bad at keeping track of it all. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're great guys. I would definitely talk to them. Yeah. So up, up to this point, I guess I, when did you start, when did these orders start coming in and how long have you been doing this? Um, I think, um, for about a year and a half and then the last, I would say, uh, six months into it, it it started becoming like, wow, I got to, it started getting really serious and, um, you know, dedicating space, kind of changing workflow. Cause I've never done, I usually do one-off pieces, something unique. Um, mm-hmm. and then I'm to the next one, you know, which is great. It's challenging. I get to use a new tool, new style, wh- whatever it is. And now I'm doing like production handwork, which is also uh, kind of a strange contrast. The, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm batching together, you know, uh, cases and, and running do- <laughs> dovetails for five hours <laughs> across all these and then going to the next phase. Um, so it's really changed the way that I've approached woodworking because I never really thought about, you know, um, making the process more efficient. You know, I never really thought about, you know, how to um, streamline my process. It was more used to sitting down at the drafting table, trying it up, kind of thinking about how I wanted to build it, not a thinking about what's the most efficient way to go from point A to point B without sacrificing, you know, an ounce of, of um, detail or 
you know, uh, refinement. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> has finding these ways of increasing efficiency, um, ha- have you been main, uh, able to maintain kind of uh, an enthu- like the same level of enthusiasm? Because I know it's you know you're, you like the hand, the handmade stuff or the handmade aspect. Um, but you know, at, at what point is it? You're you're trying to keep a balance. You know, you have to do production flow, but you're also like this is like, you know, this is your thing. You're you're putting your your creativity into it. Is it is there a trade off, or have you found ways of increasing efficiency while maintaining the same amount of enthusiasm? I mean, to be honest, that the efficiency makes it more enjoyable because I'm able to <laughs> um, go from point A to point B quickly, and then it, it's the you know it's the finishing, it's the final profiling. I have time for that. Um, what was stressful for me was when I wasn't efficient and for, you know, kind of the rote thing. The joinery is really fun for me, but also it's, you know, there's not a lot of creativity that goes into that. So being able to get through that quickly, then I can put more time into the, you know, what makes it really special, all the little details, the little, you know, the little chamfers, the little things I do with the chisel that I, you know, um, is very meditative for me and, and um, uh satisfying but you know it's those it is those rote steps that becoming efficient and being able to get through it so, so i can do spend time on on the things that i do enjoy okay good i'm i'm glad that was the answer to that question um, <laughs> <laughs> um so i was wondering if you if i don't i mean as much detail as you want and uh let's see like and and in as much plain speak as you can for us non-work woodworkers, but could you want to walk us through like the cons- you know, from the conceptualization of the I, the design through to when you're you're putting it in a box to ship it like that that process? Yeah, sure. Um, I think so. With with we'll just talk about Eurac. Um, the constraints are the the size of the of the frame, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just have, and actually I used to manufacture the uh, the brackets myself with getting an eighth inch piece of um, aluminum plate and you know getting a special blade, cutting it on the table saw, oh, which geez. by the way is the most terrifying thing in the world. <laughs> uh, just thinking about you know a piece of aluminum kicking back at you at two hundred miles an hour, and oh, um, God. it just it was one of those things where. Every time I pushed it through, it's like, today is the day I'm going to die. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. And then bring it to the drill press, you know, countersinking it, drilling the holes. And it, it, that was a nightmare. I have them, I have them uh, manufactured now. But back to the question. Um, so grabbing those brackets and just kind of putting on the drafting table, um, you know, putting my arcs and, and kind of drawing around that and getting a, you know, a basic idea of what I want to do. And um, from that design, I kind of cut it out. I put it on a piece of plywood. I make a template out of it. You know, I you know I, I smooth it with you know, a spoke shave and my rasps. You know, things to kind of smooth the edges. Mm-hmm. And then um, the fun part for me starts at that point. And then I you know get to go to the lumber mill and, and just pick through stacks of wood, looking for the the ones I really like. You know, if they're straight. The grain does something interesting or moves a, a way I really like or the coloring. Um, you know, and how much heartwood versus how much, uh, you know, sapwood, you know, the, the light versus dark and uh-huh. just going, and I spent hours at the, at the mill before I started a batch. And that's because from there, if you don't have good wood, you know, your end product's going to look like crap. So taking the time up front to, um, to really be choosy on, on your wood makes a big difference for the, for the, um, the, the end product. But, um, you know, I pick up these boards that are 
hairy and nasty and they're dirty and, you know, big chunks of them are filled with knots and whatnot. But being able to kind of, I take a little plane, I scrape, kind of see what's underneath it and um, kind of seeing what, you know, the beauty that's underneath that. But then taking those boards back and starting the milling process, that's when, you know, um, taking something really ugly and turning it into <laughs> this beautiful square, um, square board so you can kind of see what's underneath. And then from there, you know, I kind of lay out my wood, kind of see what would, um, they're usually not wide enough to cover the, um, the depth of a, of a case. Um, so I kind of, you know, line them up, see what um, looks good together. Or if they're really thick, I can cut it down the middle and you kind of open it like a book. And it's mm-hmm. called book matching. And then you can join the two edges so you have this nice oh. like, ref, re- reflective. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I can see what you're saying there. Um, so like Rorschach or something. Well, yeah, you, you could you could look into the grain and see something. That's my. I should have got that pony when I was little. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, Sorry. yeah. From there, so, so you take the template, you put it on. You can kind of see where um, where the grain's gonna look nice against the the curves and whatnot. I trace it with basically like a white you know, grease marker, and um, you know do both sides and then start cutting. You know, I go to the band, so I'll cut it out, do the smoothing. Um, then comes joinery. I, you know, you, you got to, each piece is like, you know, if it's 120 HP, 168, whatever it is, you know, I got to um, measure out the top and the front, start doing the joinery, and then you got to do all the grooves and the profiling. And I mean, it, it's, it, it's a, I mean, I can go through all the steps. It's a very, very long process. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, dealing with the backs and uh, for my 12 U's, I kind of, that's kind of a special size and profile for me. I just don't mm-hmm. think they look attractive with flat backs. So I went through this and, and the other ones do for some reason at 12 U, it sounds totally nerdy, but um, I do this, um, uh, a vacuum, uh, a vacuum form back to them where I take very thin slices of wood and I, um, I glue them together. So there's a thin slice of wood, I put glue, another one, and, and kind of make a sandwich out of these um, alternating glue um, veneer pieces. Then I put it into this, um, I have a form that's the shape of the back that I want it to be. I put that, those, that sandwich of veneer and glue onto the form and I put it into this bag and I vacuum it down, but with just an incredible force and leave it overnight. And when you take it out, the glue is dried and it's, it's in the shape that the, um, of the form that it was sitting on top. Okay. And that's the curve at the back that I want. So from there, um, you know, I, I trace on the back and I, that's the, that's the curve back of my, my 12 U cases. So yeah, it adds an incredible amount of time, but I just think the, uh, the end, end result is incredible. The, um, the 12 U's for me with a flat back, they just, they just don't look good. But I could see that it's yeah. Cause it's, it's kind of like a, it's like, it's like when you're growing your hair out long, there's always like kind of a weird, <laughs> like, sec- like <laughs> I'm, I'm in that section right now where it's like, there's nothing you can do with it. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird. It's like in this weird mode at 15, you know, flat and below that, it, it looks ridiculous with a curve back, but it, um, I enjoy doing that. I, I don't make that. I don't make many small ones anymore, but I was when I do, that's, that. that's yeah. a fun that, that's definitely a fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a, a sea of giants right now. I have <laughs> seven twenty-one U's sitting around me, and they're just—they're so large. <laughs> that is—that is in that's so big. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it, and then at the very end, it's it's all the profiling, it's the details. Um, you know, it's me uh, going doing little inner chamfers with my um, 
uh, with my chisels and you know I do a lot of stuff with um, uh, the, the routers too so it's not all just hand I do use some power tools for that and then you know cut, making the cutouts for the power plates and then the the torturous part of building the cases which are putting in the PSUs and installing <laughs> installing the rails yeah and, yeah and there's it looks this, like this that whole... machine helped you find a way to do that much quicker as well. But the, I forgot the name of the oh, machine you mentioned you're right, earlier. You're right, the, uh, the Shaper Origin. So, yeah, um, yeah that, that helped me make the brackets to, to mount the, um, the power supplies. Um, and then this whole thing where, you know, people want sliding or, or threaded inserts in their, in their rails to mount their modules. In the beginning, I was just Wait, doing... people ask for sliding? No, I started. I didn't know. Okay, so I was like, who are I, these crazy people that are asking no, for sliding? No, I was crazy. So my <laughs> okay, first maybe okay. 40 my first forty cases, I was manually one at a time dropping these sliding nuts oh, into God. the... And it was oh just mind-numbing. I almost quit. It actually made me want to quit. I didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, my and then, God. Uh, and then I was like, why am I offering this? And, I, and, and now it's... It's like, yeah, I'm happy to put the uh, the sliding in, but I'll hire a guy, and it's going to cost you an extra four hundred bucks. I'm not yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. I don't. I mean, I, I just saw somebody on some Facebook group post something about how they hated sliding nuts, and and then of course, like ninety ninety nine people all like, you know. Yes, I commented I totally on that. Agree. I saw that. That was like Did two you? days ago. Oh, okay. yeah. I commented on that one too. <laughs> and then there's I, always these like three or four psychos that are like, I prefer them, and it's like I. You yeah, you must also like self-flagellation or something. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I had started designing a solenoid, one of these little vibrating things with like a, a canister that fed down into like a little ramp that went into the end of the. I mean, that's how desperate I was to. to I mean, <laughs> that's how desperate I was. But anyway, yeah, they make they make threaded inserts, and that's the way to go. Okay, um, is there? Uh, I don't want to cut. I don't want to ask you another question if you're not done with uh, all the all the steps. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to listen to you go. Uh, this is fascinating. Um, I, <laughs> well, I, I mean, the, people... the end is, is all the final sanding and, and finishing. So I actually hand rub um, this oil varnish on them. And that seven, it, it takes a week because you can do, you know, basically do one, um, one coat at a time before it cures to the next one. And then I, I have my own wax blend that I actually blend um, uh, which I put on top and it's totally dorky. No one's going to, no one's going to notice it or care, but it's like, <laughs> for me, it's like, I just finished a, you know, a very special, um, piece of furniture that I spent so much time with. Um, you know, I just go all out and all my, all my cases are named and they're named after my favorite, um, soul singers. And I have these, you know, parts, um, organizers though, you know, when I'm cutting all the parts, they go into their, you know, respective bins and each bin is named after the you know, the, the singer that I love. Oh, so, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I really, it sounds totally ner nerdy, but like, I really do. You develop a relationship. They're all different, right? Yeah. And Is it hard so to part with them sometimes? <laughs> Some of them, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Wow. <laughs> Especially when you really knock one out of the park, you're like, oh my God, this one's great. And, it, and it's, uh, it's tough. You Have can you talk been to, tempted uh, to like, like contact the, the person who like ordered it and be like, Hey, <laughs> you know, it went South. I'm going to have to start over again. Now they all have this. They have to send me picture. You can talk. I guess uh, Corey. I, I think you had an interview. It's um, from Nerd Audio. Uh, Red yeah, Stripe Red Down. Down. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a case for him that I made <laughs> probably three months ago. Uh -huh. I'm sending it to him for free. He was going to put it put in the shop, and I think he's at uh, Chicago Music Exchange now. Yeah. But um, it's been sitting here forever, and I've had a, so many excuses why <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> ship it to him. And I actually finally got one over to a robot speak here in in San Francisco. I, I saw I, that. I, I was just recently in San Francisco. Um, oh. Yeah, just, well, it was not so, it was like three or four months ago. Um, actually went down to uh, 
to talk. We talked with Dave Smith and Suzanne Chiani. It was pretty. Oh, great. It was pretty crazy. I haven't released those yet because they're in tandem with Waveform Magazine, which is something that's uh, a free print publication that's coming out soon. Um, but yeah, I went to Robot Speak, and that's a funky little shop, man. Oh, it's that great. Was, I love yeah. that place. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I actually really liked San Francisco. Uh, out of the out of the cities I've been to, it, it was definitely it was so much weirder than I thought it was going to be. You know, um, it's not as weird as it used to be. I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, I, 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 and it's <laughs> and it's definitely not as cheap as it used to be. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah. yeah and hear. being a furniture maker here is um, is very 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 difficult. So it's yeah. uh, it, it's something. Yeah. Is it getting? Is have you noticed the since the influx of all the the wealth has that increased you know like business in that end or i mean i i think yes and no i mean um uh i i think very technical people tend to gravitate toward this and i definitely have um people in software and um in technology fields or local customers of mine and they're amazing and they get to take a tour of the shop and i hang out with them if it's at the end of the night i'm not touching machines i drain a beer or two with them Yeah, yeah but um but the uh um, I just think for the most part, I think the scene, the music scene here has really died. A lot of folks moved to LA where it's more affordable and there's a huge, there's a very vibrant music scene, but mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco is great. I came here I'm 20 years ago and I, you know, I, I stayed, I, I have roots here. I'm going to hopefully spend the rest of my life here, but man, it's, it's really not the same thing anymore. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a few more. Let's see. I, I'm, I wrote down a bunch of questions, but they're not in a good order. I'm trying to get the flow of this. Um, I guess uh, how long how long does like maybe a lo- uh, the, a larger case take and what is maybe what is what is kind of the average size range and average time for that? Well, that that's that's all kind of changed pretty rapidly after I made my first twenty one U. That's uh, that's all I'm selling now. Um, okay. My bat my, I usually do batches of you know five to eight, eight is a very large batch for me, and it takes a couple of months. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, you're building a, multiple at, at one time. Oh yeah. It, 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 and, and then that's actually the only way that it can be profitable for me. Cause if I'm taking one from, you know, taking two months on one that, and it's, if you add it, once you get over eight, then it's like, it's not efficient anymore. Cause I have to set up the machine. So I make my uh-huh. cuts and if I can just do them all in, you know, in, um, one at a time in, in, in rapid succession, I just save myself a ton of time. I don't have to set that machine up again. Okay. So I make my cuts. So all of a sudden I traced all my patterns. I go to the band. So I cut them all out and that that's one of the efficiencies, but then okay. I find, so it's only so- adding 10% to, to the time for each one that I add on top, you know? Oh, wait, so, so, sorry, say that again? Sure. So if I make one case, uh-huh. let's say let's say um, a case takes me an hour, just random number. I add another one to it's only going to add, you know, another 10 minutes or so to it. I see. So, I see. Okay. Um, so I didn't just double my time. I just added a little bit more. But when I get to like eight, there's a number where it just starts getting cumbersome. And then I'm, you know, I have parts all over the place and my... You know, I have to clean every day because I just I, my place is covered with sawdust. It's destroyed, <laughs> and, and that just becomes it becomes overwhelming. Okay, so and I'm curious. Before I'm, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you with more questions after I ask you a question. But uh, so when you're when you're doing, say you're doing five at a time, are you are each step for each one? Are you just kind of focusing? Like, is there a day where we just do this all day, the same procedure on five of these? different cases and then do you kind of move in in phases like as a batch yeah, that's exactly right 
Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so they all go through their, uh, they go through phases as a batch. I usually have some sort of goal, but you know, sometimes something happened or I have a thing called a happy accident. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this is handmade furniture and shit happens. As long as uh-huh. I don't snap the side in half or something horrible happens where I have to start from the beginning, I've never had a mistake that didn't turn into something wonderful that became a feature for like the next, next batch or even that batch of cases. Like sometimes I'll cut a, you know, I'll, uh, I'll make a rabbit, I'll make it, I'm using, it's a rabbit, which is kind of like an opening on the side of a, um, of a board that you can, you know, you can join with another piece. Sometimes I cut that too wide. I'm like, wow, that's an opportunity for me to put another piece, like some sort of embellishment or some sort of trim piece or something. Okay. Um, and even with those, uh, talking about the vacuum, um, back, uh, the, the vacuum form backs for the 12 use, it was so cold here, um, a, co- uh, a few weeks ago that it was in the vacuum press and the glue didn't dry. So I came in, the thing was just like opening up. It was all gooey and gross. I would typically just throw that away, but instead I scraped that all off and I, um, I put more and more layers. I ended up this really, really thick back and that opened up all these other possibilities. Now I'm going to make them a door. I can put these hinges on them. So all these oh, accidents, nice. all these accidents lead to, you know, to something else, as long as it's not a major accident. Yeah. <laughs> as well, as I was going to ask know. earlier, like how, how often do you have to like throw in the towel on one? Um, I, it, major accidents usually happen up front, like happen okay. uh, very early on. Um, <laughs> once the case is together, the, the strength is incredible. I mean, the, yeah. the, the joinery I use is really strong and, um, especially when the base and the back on, um, the accidents I make are usually with, um, like detail stuff or, um, making, uh, routing for other pieces to go in. And that, and it's amazing how almost every detail that you see on my case came from a previous accident, something else that I now, (laughs) (laughs) it's these happy, and that only happens. So uh, there's so many case manufacturers out there and there's so many folks who make just wonderful cases, but there's something about it. And most of them are machine made. So Mm -hmm. if you, if I have this design and I have a huge robotic CNC machine that cuts out parts, there are no happy accidents there. You made your, you know, you designed it, it punches out all the parts and you screw it together and, and you ship it there's no room for, you know, for mistake. And I Uh I think mistakes are amazing. Like it's such a great opportunity to, um, to see what happened, you know, be creative and, you know, um, and, uh, improve on it. Well, that's a huge um, part of the, just like the music, music production world. And, and, you know, especially in patching, like how many times have you, you know, patch, you know, patch something wrong and then it, Oh, that actually is kind of cool. And exactly. um, And that's exactly right. So yeah, it's, it's, I feel like that's maybe that, that's, uh, those happy mistakes, like over time equal art, art wisdom or something. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and think about it. You're patching something, um, starts going like horribly wrong. Like you're getting the squelching, something is feeding back or whatnot, but that you fix that problem or, or you find another way around it. You know, you just, you, you discover something completely new mm-hmm. and it's, and I just think that's handwork. You're playing with something that's somewhat organic and it's, you know, somewhat chaotic and um you know there's a of course it's not completely chaotic because you have some control over it but um in there allowing accidents to happen i think a a lot of beautiful things can come out absolutely okay so so you're doing you're doing the batch stuff um so you're doing you do you said eight is when you kind of hit a diminishing returns oh yeah that's too much like right at eight like i i i tell people to wait for the next batch Um, okay yeah Okay, so so how you said a batch could take a few months? 
Um, takes a couple, in the beginning, um, I would tell people to take a couple months, but they were taking like four months. <laughs> they were just taking so long because I, it was all, it was all new and I wanted to mm-hmm. put so much detail and like attention and love into each one. It just took forever. And now, um, a lot of those processes, uh, each of these phases are pretty rote for me. I've done them so many times that I, I don't make any little mistakes or the improvements that I want to do are kind of later in the, um, in the stream. So, um, they go much faster and I can do a batch of, uh, 12 U cases, like five or six and, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks, and then it's a week for, you know, letting all the finish the dry, but I can do those really quickly. Okay. And how far out are you booked right now? Um, I am, per- I mean, I-, I have another batch that I'm-, I'm about to start on Monday. I have these wrapped up. I'm, um, the, the power supplies that I'm waiting for, for this batch were, are beyond. And that's the other thing. You're always like, <laughs> yeah. I'm dependent on other people downstream. Like, uh-huh. cause I, I, I don't make power supplies. I get, you know, I wait for them to come to me and if they're backed up, it's like, it puts all my cases on hold. So it's, there are some frustrating parts that the things that are not in my control, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm uh, actually, probably not tomorrow, but Monday I'm going to start on the new batch. Okay, right on. And then, um, what's the biggest one you've made? Uh, 24 U, like six feet. Yeah, it was like the six foot <laughs> plus feet. And these go freight, by the way. I mean, yeah, you're I was going to say, point. like, what's the it, shipping on that? Must be like you could buy a whole system for just the shipping, probably. Well, believe it or not, <laughs> shipping it was like it was like 400 bucks or something like that. Okay, maybe okay. four to five hundred, but it was huge. And, yeah, you know, and I'm. In the beginning, I was basically just taking um, bubble wrap and wrapping around the cases and putting, you know, double boxing them in cardboard boxes. And, it, <laughs> and you know, it, it, it looks sloppy. It looks ridiculous. It looks like something you get for your, like a care package from your grandma on Christmas yeah. or something. <laughs> and um, I started making these custom shipping crates out of like actually pretty, uh, pretty nice um, plywood grade. And um, they look pro. They look fantastic. And what I've discovered, I was getting like a 20% um, damage rate from UPS with the other one. Oh. Um, but with the boxes and with these shipping crates, it's zero. I haven't had okay. a single problem because they're so pristine, you know, and it has mm-hmm. my, you know, my logo spray painted on the outside. Like, um, and they're so pristine that I, I kind of route handles on the side. It's very clear which way is up. I think that if a UPS guy sees that and he, if he damages it, the next person who touches it, it's going to know at that point that it's been damaged. That's my theory, at least. And, I could see um, that. Yeah, they see that and they're like, "I'm not, I'm not fucking that up because I'm that not fucking will that. Cost that's beautiful. Some, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something expensive in there, and yeah. they're kind of the way they're suspended too. I don't need all that styrofoam. I just have these little, um, little strips of this hard foam that basically uh, suspend it, so nothing's touching the case. Man, um, it sounds yeah. like you know, less than two years into doing this, you've already like really streamlined it and really found a you know, a, I mean, I'm sure you'll find more and more ways to you know increase inf- efficiency and everything. But it sounds like you've really crossed a lot of the hurdles pretty early and quickly. That's, that's yeah, that's I, awesome. I've definitely made a lot of mistakes. You know, <laughs> I've, had, I've had feedback saying, "Hey, you know, this sucks. Like, you know, this fell through, or whatever." And you just improve on it right away, and it doesn't happen again. But yeah. You know, um, I'm curious, and you don't have to say. Um, I I don't know if this is a little gauche asking, but I'm like, can you can you tell us some of the? If have you made any for some some pretty crazy superstar type film I, I composers have, or anything? And the only one that I have permission because I was to, um I was told uh, I was told that I'm not allowed to use people people's names to um to promote my product unless I have their permission. The uh, only one that I have permission for was Joe Walsh from the Eagles. Like really? he came, yeah. <laughs> He, they Wait, came Joe into Walsh town. is into Europe? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and actually, I think it was Corey. Um, he went to Chicago. Um, to, I think it was uh, was it Nerd Audio or something like that. And he said he like he he dropped like forty grand worth of modules or something oh like that. Gosh. He says a huge. Yeah, and I guess uh, if there's I forget the name of the, I don't know all the the Joe Walsh songs, but there's a tune from the seventies. If you listen, there's actually like uh, there's a modular modular setup like percolating in the background for the intro, which is pretty really. Cool. Oh, yeah. that that I don't know why that tickles me because I, I think it's just like that life's been good. I just like picture that's the, the song. guy. <laughs> okay, that's, that's the song. I think that has something going in the beginning of it. But <laughs> just he, think the, of uh, the guy that wrote those lyrics that are just like that is like the coolest not cool person that I don't want to hang out with, but I want to I want to hear from all the time. <laughs> yeah, but what's great is part of the deal. Like um, uh, a, a guy in the band who was who actually uh, did the setup with Joe, and he was coming down, and he had his uh, iPhone. He was just taking pictures, and Joe was like, "Yeah, I want that one." He was kind of sending it back to him. Uh-huh. And a part of the deal was like, "I want tickets." <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Because I, 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 I wasn't going to buy Eagles tickets, and I think front row were like five hundred, six hundred bucks. And uh, part of the deal was that we, you know, me and my wife got, you know fifth row tickets or something and i was like see honey five dollars an hour is totally worth it now." You know? <laughs> living in poverty is not that bad now is it you know got fifth row to the eagles <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> um let's see and my last question and it's actually based off of just that few minutes of chatting we were doing via skype before we we called each other you don't have your own case yeah so this is the last two times, the, the last two times, um, the, the first beautiful one that I made for myself, it was, you know, um, I don't know, it's like a 15U 120 and that's all the modules I had. I posted a picture right away and someone made me offer. I could not refuse. I was, uh-huh. like, I was like, all right, my modules are going out. <laughs> and then, and then this one, um, I've been working on a really long time, but I've been so, so busy. Like I, I, I feel guilty working on my own when I have, you know, other customers, um, uh, to, to work through, but the one I have now is, you know, 90% done. I just got to, you know, start the final sanding and whatnot. But what's funny is and probably other people can relate. Even when I don't have a case, I keep acquiring modules. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I kind of need that. I, I have no idea what it's going to sound like, but you know, mm-hmm. anyway. yeah, I, I just I just downgraded myself to a to six U one hundred four because I'm like I'm I'm going to make that work and. I have decided now that I'm going to try to make nine U work. <laughs> so it's like, well, now I got to get another case. But then I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, if I get a nine or another three U case, like it's really just a little bit more. I might as well just, and like, I'm right back to where I started with. Yeah. It's, just, it yeah, it's, it's just that uphill battle. All right. Let's take a look at a few different modules today. Uh, first up is the mystic circuits tree sequential switch. Um, I am going to be using that to trigger an atom, which is the, uh, it's like a, a micro elements. Uh, it's a, a clone of the elements made by after later audio and the nano rings, which is also made by after later audio. Um, so let's just bring that, uh, that atom into the mix really quick. I'm using two different, uh, outputs from the tree to, uh, to trigger the gate on the atom. And then I'm running the atom uh, also into the echophone from Make Noise, and then I'm controlling the echo time um, with uh, with Tree, and I'm also controlling the pitch CV in with Tree. So let's bring that mix in. 
Now let's bring this rings in. Uh, so the rings is being triggered by two different signals, or just one, actually, from the tree. And then I am triggering maths with one of the outputs from tree, and then putting the channel one for maths into the bright input for the rings. And then I'm running uh, the rings into two different uh, AI synthesis stomp boxes, one going into the afterneath from Earthquaker devices and one going into the transmitter from Earthquaker devices. So let's get this afterneath up and running. And now the transmitter. A nice glitchy little weird atmospheric patch for you. Uh, check out Mystic Circuits Tree Sequential Switch and check out the AI Synthesis uh, Stomp Box Adapters and the After Later Audio Atom and Nano Rings. Um, and I, I think the, the, la like the last thing I have for you, um, question-wise or something I'm curious about, is you, you were mentioning that you were going to start working on um, a line of smaller stuff. Yeah, I'm going to work on a... Um, we were talk talking about the CNC um, mm -hmm. style of, of cases. Um, yeah, I'm coming up with a, a more inexpensive line of cases that are... They're going to have a bunch of handwork done, but the, the joinery and the actual cutting are going to be done um, by a machine. But then they're going to get the you know the fancy hand detail at the end, and they'll be significantly less expensive. And also the um, you know these are all plywood; they're basically plywood boxes. Um, uh -huh. But it's I'm not using Baltic birch or some other you know off the shelf. I'm actually having custom plywood made um, to my spec with just these beautiful layers inside. Um, so we're going to do some fancy things with it. Um, it'll be, it's under, it'll be a, under a different, um, company name. Um, okay. so I kind of want to keep air, uh, you know, Needham Woodworks, my, my, you know, exclusively to my handwork, but, um, it will be, you know, it, it'll be me shaping them at the very end and I'll have some other folks helping me assemble them. I think that's, I mean, I, I, I don't know shit about being a, you know, owning my own business or being a, a business person, but it, it seems like. With with the growing popularity and the you know your your stuff kind of blowing up, I, I it's not everybody in in modular can can afford a, a handmade you know twenty one no. case. So I think I think that's a pretty s smart move business wise, and uh, just a cool way to to be able to like kind of keep your get your work in the hands of you know just kind of everybody who's who's part of this world so i, I think that's that's a, a, a really smart move and it's a, i think it's a cool move i'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing that yeah i mean i i think folks are going to get the same i mean it once again it's not hardwood it's not completely handmade but it's going to get all the attention to detail the, the finishing parts all the little um you know the curves and the, the chamfers all that stuff is going to be done but it's not you know the bulk of the work and 90 percent it's going to be i'll be able to put out cases you know five a week as opposed to, you know, a five every two months. It's going to be yeah. significantly faster. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put the, my, my prediction flag in right now. When those hit the market, the, the Instagram videos of these, uh, little 
six U systems out in nature with like a like a babbling brook behind them or a mountain behind them playing some really <laughs> nice ambient stuff with like eighteen rings modules. Those are gonna you're gonna see a lot of your shit in those. I bet. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> and, and I love the, the, those those videos are definitely uh, uh, addictive. You, you start flipping through on Instagram and, yeah, and two oh. hours two hours go by. Yeah, and you know it's like it's 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 one of those things that it's you know somebody started doing. I think like the first ones I ever noticed were were Anne Annie. Um, one of right. my favorite modular artists, um, like seeing their videos and then that, you know, started, started happening more and more. And the cynic in me wants to like talk shit about it, but I still really like them all. I think it's, it's and I still want to like go out and do that. Like I, I just bought an inverter for my car <laughs> so I could plug my oh, yeah. modular into my cigarette lighter, you know, just in case I want to film with Mount Rainier in the background or something. So, you know, so stop talking shit, everybody. They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun well um do you have anything is there anything else that you wanted to uh to shout from the modular mountaintops about what you're doing or anything in general before we we, we uh close this down no i i, I think talking about the uh, uh the next line is is great i mean um we talked about the time and whatnot the care that goes into the uh to the handmade line but um i'm excited for the for the next phase and that'll actually help me um come up with more things it's going to free up so much more time so i'll be able to do more interesting work and i'm going into different formats too the the bukla is actually it's okay. it's on the it's literally on the um the the drafting table right now and you know um i, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the modular attic guys but they have been just sweethearts to me like logan sending me some boats to uh um, to get this built out, of course he gets a oh, free. Nice. He gets he, he gets my my, my first free, yeah, uh, yeah. case for free out of it. But you know he's kind of been my sherpa in that in that uh, format. I know nothing about. Uh, of course I know Bukla, you know, mm-hmm. and people who use it, but I, I don't own any myself. So it's a great great way for me to to, to jump into the format. Yeah, yeah. I actually, just um, met, kind of met virtually met Logan via uh, John McCoy. Oh in, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, down in Louisiana when we did our our live episode. So, oh, very yeah, it's, cool. It's, it's cool. Yeah, this like small world. Um, and yeah, I was. Are you going to do like a five U thing or? Yep. Uh, right I, on. Th- th- that's that's after, but I, I, I can only do. <laughs> it's only me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to knock, knock one out at a time. I'm glad but, you brought uh, that up because I was going to ask if you're going to venture out into other formats. So you did my job for me. Um, and I know I said we were going to close it down, but I, I just thought of one more question. Um, sure. You're doing this all by yourself or you have an assistant or um, are you going to hire people in the future? Or? You know, what's funny, we talked about efficiencies. When I first came to the shop, I was still kind of running in, you know, one at a, at a time mode and I, I needed an assistant. I was so far behind. And actually I got to the point when I talked about the number I could do, I mean, I had like 12 or 13 cases going at the same time, just so that way I could make rent here. And I was still, you know, I had to put in just as much time as I normally do. I hired a guy to, to help me out. And, you know, I had actually had two guys at at one point and it just, uh, I, they, well, let's just say it didn't work out. It it just, I think the uh, amount that I, they would need to know to not mess something up is so high that if they knew that they'd be doing something else on their own, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and there were a lot of mistakes made that I'd have to go back and and correct that weren't happy accidents. There was a lot of like, (laughs) you know, throw away, start from the beginning type of stuff. So, um, they helped with boxing. They helped with like, you know, getting, uh, cases ready to ship and whatnot. But, Mm -hmm. um, but no, I, I, the efficiencies are such that I, I can do this. It's at a comfortable pace. 
Um, I, but I think having the uh, more inexpensive line and having some helpers kind of assembling that would be great. Yeah. And um, you, you're doing like a 40-hour week? Um, for, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I work during the day. I, I actually do drop off and, and pick up my daughter's preschool, which is it's such a delight for me. I absolutely love it. So uh-huh. that cuts out some time. And then when they go to bed, I come back to the shop. Like right now, it's what, 8, eight o'clock, and I'm probably going to be here for a few more hours. Oh, I mean, wow. I, I mean <laughs> it's not toward, like, I love what I do. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah. a meditate, especially the handwork is so meditative. I have my headphones on all day. I'm listening to stuff. And I'm just, it's, it's a delight until I get to the power supplies and, and the, <laughs> and the frames, then it's, I'm, I'm out of my trance, but. <laughs> well, right on. This has been uh, really fascinating. I, I think this is a really cool, uh, way to kind of sidestep the usual, com- like not, not that the usual topic of conversation, you know, I talk to musicians and, 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 you know, module manufacturers and, and uh, everybody's been, you know, has a unique story, so it hasn't got boring. But this is a cool, this is a cool like way to kind of sidestep, but keep it within the realm of what we usually talk about. So, uh, well, thank yeah, you thanks for much, having me man. on. Yeah, yeah, this was great. Thanks so much. And uh, where can people go to find all your stuff on the? On um, NeedhamWoodworks.com. Uh, Needham and don't do Needham Woodworking. That's actually a guy who you know builds kitchens back in Needham, Massachusetts. But um, <laughs> and uh, Instagram is a big one too because you can see my build process and what, what mm-hmm. I'm putting putting out. But uh, yeah, uh, at Needham Woodworks and um, at Instagram and then uh, NeedhamWoodworks.com for my uh, my personal site. How about that episode, huh, guys? It's so crazy that he was a. Uh, a part-time woodworker selling furniture. He was successful at it, but has also, uh, you know, had a day job. And then through the resurgence of the popularity of modular synthesis, of all things, he becomes a full-time professional woodworker. And who would have thought that Joe Walsh is into modular? Um, I can't thank Eric enough. Uh, please check out his stuff if you want a beautiful, enormous uh, case for your Eurorack. I think that's that's the place to go. Um, also, thank you to our sponsors, Patchworks, Pittsburgh Modular, After Later Audio, and AI Synthesis. Don't forget to check out Recovery Effects. There's always some really cool stuff going on there. And keep an eye out. I think there's some cool stuff coming up as well. Um, yeah. Until next week.